Did you see the new Top Gun trailer, Andy? Uh, I did. Yeah. They still have Miles Taylor in that movie, huh? Miles Taylor. You're right. Yep. <laughs> uh, did you watch it, Emilio? No, I'm not watching that shit. It looks so good. It I was like, very serious. <laughs> no, it looks sick. It's going to be so cool. I'm like, I haven't even seen Kaczynski's Tron, but I'm like, I'm ready to, I'm so ready to hop on the Kaczynski hype train. <laughs> Yeah, what's what's what what have you seen anything of his? I saw the Mad World trailer for Gears of War a bunch when that was out. Mm-hmm. And you were very impressed. I mean, I liked that a lot when it was out. I I was like, this is so cool. Yeah, they're playing cool the Donnie Darko song. Mm, yeah. One might argue that it ruined trailers forever. I I mean, wow. that is maybe true. It is like. <laughs> The pioneer of the slow version. <laughs> I see, I see. It was uh, the first time anyone was like, what if this song was moody and slow? But I feel like the one that I remember that most is I feel like Dracula Untold had a everybody wants to wor- rule the world <laughs> Lord cover in the trailer. <laughs> this is the, uh, what's that guy's I, name? Luke Evans? Yeah, but sure. I feel like Assassin's Creed used that same cover of that song first. Yeah, but is that after Dracula Untold? The, it was a video game, so I think it was uh, Not the Lord cover, though. It was a Lord cover. For real? Which Assassin's Creed? I don't remember. Um, That's crazy. Everybody. Yeah. You know, it's the um, Bananis and Avocadoization. It of, is, a, yeah, it is a Bananis and Avocados type beat. <laughs> yeah. Um movie trailer music. <laughs> I, it is weird. And they do, I mean, look, in the Top Gun trailer, they do it a little bit as well with the... Right. Uh, is it the Top like, Gun theme? or Yeah, it's it... just like slowed down a little bit. Sure, and it's like played on like the upper register of a piano, right? Like just... <laughs> I don't know. That is that true? I didn't notice that, maybe. It's like they just slow down the guitar. Oh, okay. I thought I... There's like a notable theme in, the, in that trailer, I think, that's just like... Oh, no, it is. Yes, it is, because it's like... Ding ding! Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That is really silly. But like, like, you could picture the scene where like Tom Cruise comes in and like finds a dusty old piano <laughs> and like blows off the dust and opens it up, sits at the piano and they just <laughs> hit plays the notes to the Top Gun theme. Okay, they should so put that, that in the movie. If they don't, they're cowards. That Lord cover was for the Hunger Games Catching Fire. Wow! And then it was used in the Assassin's Creed Unity trailer. Wow, wow, wow. Hunger well, Games was very influential musically, I feel like. Well, I mean, look, movies. we can't really get into this <laughs> as we're about to start, <laughs> but there is, like, the Twilight soundtracks and sure. the Hunger Games soundtracks. Right, in yeah, terms of, they like, sort of rolled right into each other. Right? That they are all, like, <laughs> the prominent alternative, like, indie musicians of the time. It's like, right. well, why is the newest Arcade Fire song dropping on... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm looking Hunger at. Games. I'm looking at this. This isn't a lot of uh, indie. I mean, this is like Coldplay. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Hunger Games maybe less so, but I feel like yeah. if you look at like New Moon. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean Twilight probably more. Yeah. 
And they just, I, I feel like I associate them in my mind because they're both that sort of. Right, the YA uh, thing. Welcome to K&I Kick It. This is a podcast about film festivals. I'm one of your hosts, Cullen Ashley. Joining me is... Andy Germuga. Emilio Diaz. All right, we're here. We're here to talk about Barton Fink. It's the Barton Fink episode you've all been waiting for. All these these years that we've been doing the show. Yes. Our door's been getting knocked down. One in the Fink. People have been just, yeah, yelling, Fink! Fink, 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 Fink. <laughs> it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, we just thought it was British people telling us to think. And, um, <laughs> uh, but yes, the reason we were talking about Barton Fink is because it is one of these odd, maybe less odd than I thought previously to doing research for this episode. But uh, one of these like Love little to disprove a thesis just before yeah, you record a podcast as I present again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, of these like can anomalies like we talked about it a little bit of like the ties that'll sometimes happen in palm which we might be doing an episode on later yeah this, this month. might be a loose like every other theme month maybe with pe- with with things like that like of weird ties or like weird anomalies in terms of like the spread of prizes or what prizes they won or whatever uh, we're still feeling it out, I think, a little bit as yeah. far as what it is. But but there might be a few episodes on that topic uh, in the near future. But Barton Fink is notable because it won... You know, I took all these notes, and Barton Fink is the one I didn't write down. <laughs> um, fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, it won Palm Director and Actor? Probably. And, and Screenplay, maybe? And Screenplay? Did it win four? Now I need to look at... Why I'm didn't opening I... up the wiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. It won Palm, and it won Director, and then it won Actor. There's no Screenplay Award given that year. Right. Okay. But, so it won, like, most of the award, right? Yes. Like, or... They gave out Palm to Barton Fink. They gave out the Grand Prix to LaBelle Noisius by Jacques Rivette. <laughs> um, then they gave Director to Joel Cohen for Barton Fink. Then they gave Best Actress to Irene Jacob for Double Life of Veronique, the Kieslowski movie. And then they gave Best Actor to John Turturro, Best Supporting Actor to Samuel Jackson for Jungle Fever. And the jury prize was a tie between Maroon Baghdadi's Out of Life and Lars von Trier's Europa. And we'll get back, I think, to this Barton Fink Palm can year because it's got an interesting jury also. But I did very quickly, as quick as I can, want to read through some of the other. Well, before cans. this, didn't we have some news we wanted to discuss? Uh, yes, yes. Before we really dive deep into the think, fire uh, off. So, uh, I think Emilio, you said you have some of that news pulled up, right? <laughs> well, I mean, what do we want to talk about? I guess, I guess everything. There's, there's a natural order to these. First, let's talk a little tiff. There's some TIFF news. TIFF news. The new venue for TIFF. Yeah, TIFF made some announcements. Uh, right. I think uh, primarily that they are f- fully be like returning to their in-person festival. Right. They are bringing yeah. it full back, including bringing back Festival Street, which is uh, for those who haven't attended TIFF uh, during the festival. Usually, they... At least ha- for the, like the first weekend. The first week, they will have a cordon off piece of King Street, which is like the uh, street in the main entertainment district of Toronto, where a lot of the theaters are located, cordoned off, 
So there are like companies there and there are people doing interviews and it's just like generally big for the culture there that they have a set cordon off piece of the street. And so it feels more like a piece of the city being taken over by the festival and like right. it, it feels more like a festival and not like just like a series of disconnected theaters where films are playing there's more of a vibe people are talking yeah. people are moving people are making deals we all know about this right yeah people are giving out you know they're the hot new beverage that they want you to try yeah and also we, yeah go ahead <laughs> we, we had some truly's there that maybe that oh, may is this be, true yeah that maybe wasn't the year that you were there cullen but we did certainly got truly's from a booth outside outside that's, on king street that's so fucked i love i love hard seltzer and he didn't have one did he no way no way it wasn't i don't truly. think they were all, I, I don't think they could just no no it was, oh, it was it was bubbly it was bubbly yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was i think that was the year i was there or maybe it was the year after it doesn't matter <laughs> it certainly does not matter and i guess in part of their bringing back a festival street there seems to have been a how do i put this they seem to have consolidated their venues in a manner that makes more yeah in a manner that makes more sense geographically so venues such as the winter garden and elgin theater the ryerson and what is the third one they haven't covered? oh the uh the, the the museum the uh roy thompson hall right no roy thompson hall still in play i think yeah roy thompson hall is the ago right is that yeah maybe let's say that but those festivals have been at, those set venues have been axed and brought th- this year is the royal alexandria theater which is a right large like performance venue that exists on king street it It, usually during tiff you can see it playing many a a musical such as come from away yeah i think it had come from away at least one year we were there which is a musical canadians are very proud of yeah Um, so and that yeah that as i said that venue is like right in between the light box and the princess of Wales. no it's between the princess of Wales and the uh, roy thompson and roy thompson yeah Yeah. it's on the same side of the street as the princess of wales but it's like one block over and then like one more block and on the out and is the roy thompson hall on the other side of the street yeah um though it's uh even as i say that i think it hasn't been confirmed that the ryerson has been dropped people are still speculating like whether they will bring it for even if just for midnight madness screenings because that is Right. What is typical of that venue is just like a college atmosphere that is famous for those rowdy screenings at midnight for genre movies. But who knows? As of right now, it has not been confirmed as being one of the right. venues. And the Scotiabank is back also, I think, as well. Did we yeah, say the, that? Yeah, the Scotiabank is back. Which is a multiplex. It is a multiplex. It is maybe now the farthest away of the venues that they have available but it even still it is not that far away from the light box it is maybe like a five minute walk but this just all seems like a plan to yeah consolidate geographically and make the festival feel like more of a piece with each other which is important because they are fully announcing that they will be doing completely a full in-person festival with full attendance no attendance limits placed on it at the time being who knows if there will be some other COVID variant that will knock yeah. out these plans. 
and that they right. will be re- greatly reducing their digital offerings. That there will still be some sort of offering, some sort of sampler through digital services, and they see. I I think they saw that they just hired somebody to be like their head of digital programming. Sure. Uh, I think Norm Wilner. I think was the person's name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it it will be basically its own thing, and it will just have a couple of things that play the festival, and then a couple of things right. that they are programming year wide as just part of TIFF. But uh, Which they is, will yeah, they will I not mean... they will not attempt to even have like a large portion of the festival as they have had the last two years due to COVID. Right. Which I guess makes it like basically all the high profile digital things last year like leaked online like pirated versions almost immediately and i think they were from the tiff screenings um and but yeah i mean yeah i imagine we'll see more of this of places well i mean obviously sundance is like the big one who like put their flag down this year of like everything's going to be digital and in person and then that ended up paying off because they had to go all digital at the end uh we'll see what sundance does next year that's something i'm really curious to see they do also seem to be the most embracing festival of just digital as like a, a thing they want to have be a big part of them. Yeah, overall, I mean, anyway, I assume it's also a consequence of there being a festival that is largely defined by films that are not studio based that come in independently right. looking for acquisition or even if they have a studio, they recognize it's yeah. like a smaller thing that will just coast on buzz. Whereas TIFF, obviously, due to their Larger like profiles, yeah, yeah. They have to deal with studios who do not like their movies being shown online, as we have learned these past couple of years. Yeah, and then there is some K news too, right? Listen, the Cannes Film Festival. We've heard of directors Fortnite, <laughs> but directors Fortnite. That director's playing Fortnite. That's a spelling <laughs> joke. Yes, yeah. this Fortnite is in the second instance being spelled F-O-R-T-N-I-T. The Cannes Film Festival coming to Epic Games' this Fortnite. Uh, they have not announced any plans for it. They have just vaguely said that it will be just some way to engage with a younger audience. Uh, is it I mean, like what... officially in conjunction with the festival organizers? Or is it just some yes. tech people being like... We're doing this. I guess, sure. Okay. They have to be in I'm, some... There is an intermediary, which is this company called Brute Media, which seems to be, like, some sort of European, like, uh, media conglomerate, like, sort of company that do, like... Sh- I, I It seems like they do, like, short-form news bits. It, it was, like, a weird thing to try to get <laughs> to the bottom of, like, what they really do. What it is. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, because, like... We talked about already their TikTok plans. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. They're just—they're really to... going for it. I mean, how many we this year, either this year or next year, or they just are going to stay out of it, which is not a very bold prediction to say. But I think we'll see NFTs at can very soon, probably. <laughs> oh sure. I mean, I imagine they'll be there this year. I don't know if any of them will be officially sanctioned by the festival sure, yeah. or whatever. But like, I guess that's another—that's a side of can we don't really talk about that much of like the market and like the party scene like not Uh, not the prestigious like official competition titles but but, like there's a real trashy side to can 
that like this fits in very nicely with. I think we talked a little bit about it honestly when we talked about the entourage. On the entourage, I mean, yeah, yeah that's the biggest the biggest time we talked about it is yeah, is the entourage episodes probably, which present that side very as the more important side, right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it depends on who's who you're more interested in. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and it's. I mean, Fortnite has done these sorts of events before. They did like a Martin Luther King thing, where they <laughs> they've created this like fake uh, museum where people could like go around and like absorb moments from Doctor King. <laughs> Do the I was very worried you were going to say a fake Martin Luther King <laughs> for a moment, like they resurrected him. Uh, <laughs> then, yeah, you could like floss. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. Yeah, your avatar could be Martin Luther King, and you could stab on somebody while shooting an AK forty seven. Yeah, <laughs> horrifying thoughts. Uh, it was like you could hear like "I have a dream" from the left ear, and then just right that tomato town in the in the right ear, Chug <laughs> Dug or whatever. Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, but it's just like yeah. I assume it will be something where it just be like walk into this fake Fortnite can beach where we'll yeah you, you can see these different like screenings with trailers from yeah, the movie right. like interviews. watch a new clip from top gun maverick on Fortnite's whatever beach right yeah probably stuff like that yeah got see I, clips see trailers i mean i guess i'm out of the loop on Fortnite, but i guess what did they announce maverick <laughs> at maverick avatars for Fortnite at can i guess that makes sense i don't know yeah, that is not like unbelievable to imagine <laughs> that is something that i'm like yeah i, I would i get that could happen i guess <laughs> what if terry terry from o and tom cruise and play fortnite <laughs> <laughs> it was like fortnite's turning into like mid-2000s era e3 i bet tom cruise would be really good at fortnite no way i, I say having not ever played, video games, so. played fortnite um what's the conan o'brien show where he does uh, clueless game clueless, yeah conan o'brien's gonna do a clueless gamer with tom cruise <laughs> and terry fermo on fortnite <laughs> yeah. that'd be really good for his podcast uh, God, yeah. when is tom cruise gonna have a podcast do you think I don't think ever. I don't think he'll don't ever think go vulnerable enough. Yeah, he, yeah. He have you ever heard him try to speak in, extemporaneously about anything? There is. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about cocktail, and they were talking about Tom Cruise going on David Letterman's show to talk about it, and it's like pre his full media training. Sure. He's like a little greener, uh, and there's a bit I guess where uh, he's like, "So what can I like?" He like sets him up for a joke. And Tom Cruise just, like, misses it completely. And he's like, what kind of drinks did you learn how to make Tom? And he's like, oh, you know, like, the Blue Hawaiian or whatever. And he's like, what goes in that? And he just is like, uh, rum and blue food coloring. And, like, very, just is not hitting what he's supposed to hit. Yeah. And then now you watch him, he's like, I love movies. I love watching movies. Cinema. Films. Crying, laughing. Right, yeah. What's, uh... Whenever this is out, I have committed to at least checking out whatever it is. I will re-download Fortnite, and I will yeah. just go into this yes. creative space. I will go to the f- beach of the France, and I will dab. You'll see if you can get accredited the- in, in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll see Virtual Tom Cruise and hit the JB Blockboy shoot dance. <laughs> 
Um, and the third what? piece of <laughs> Andy's doing the shoot dance right now. <laughs> no one can see it, but he's nailing it. <laughs> he's killing it. He's like Roy Purdy. <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh-huh. I understand what you're saying, That's a joke Cullen. that is, like, maybe not even for Emilio. <laughs> I'm like... Apparently, I certainly did not get it. Uh, <laughs> okay, then, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're just for me. This is a little editor's treat. Is it gonna Do get I cut, cut it out? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, write in if you heard my dumb joke. I feel <laughs> like it, just a half reference. I feel like an editor's treat is something that you edit in. Not something that you say listen, and then I, you yeah. could edit out. Maybe he uh, cuts in some audio to make the joke yeah. land. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. Uh, canned laughter. <laughs> yeah, this I'll is just gonna chop be our... it up to you laughing. Then after I said it, <laughs> this will be our post-credit scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, toilet flushing, doorbell ringing, dog barking. Oh, we're going full morning zoo now. Yeah. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Yeah, just sort of like DJ drops. Uh, my shorts. (laughs) (laughs) And our third piece of news, which goes into the films that we were we'll be discussing today, Ethan Cohen going solo. We got tragedy of Macbeth last year. Joel Cohen doing his own thing. Joel and his wife made that one. Now, guess what? Ethan, Ethan and his wife. They yeah. got a volley back. Uh, yeah. This is a response. <laughs> the yeah. comedy of Macbeth. <laughs> Ethan Cohen is, uh, he will be directing a lesbian road trip movie with a title I cannot say on air. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is? No, I, I didn't see the title. Okay, well, we're going to send it to you and you have to promise to say it. Uh, no, if Amelia would like to say it, I certainly won't. Um, it in the chat and I'll I imagine it will have a different title by the time it comes out, is what my guess is. Sure, sure. Uh, but apparently it's like a script he wrote with his wife, who is an editor, right? She's an editor, right? Yes. Yeah. Am I yes, making yes, that up? Yes, uh, so they, Her wife's and I think name they wrote is uh, Trisha yes, Cook. The, right. Uh, and I guess they've had it for a while, right? And like... Yeah, since two, guess, they apparently have had this since 2007 in some form of like writing in production i mean writing not in production obviously but they have been working on it since at least 2007 um and yeah i guess they uh, had it in some form of pre-production because they different articles talk about how it has been like uh different people have been attached to it like chloe 70 and people like that oh now yeah. i can't now i can't find out oh yeah selma blair holly hunter christina applegate chloe seven you were among those to star at different points but those are very different people i guess yeah i mean i guess it's like Girls book and like... it's like selma blair and chloe seven yeah i can sort of see how you would squint and be like those are sort of similar people and then Holly Hunter, Christina Applegate, I can sort of... Holly say. Hunter is the one that sticks out, I think. But that is yeah. just... Makes sense, I suppose, just on their sort of friendship with the Coens. Yeah, but this is also 2007, so I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is, like, an older person and a younger person. So I guess I don't know. Maybe Holly Hunter isn't that much older than Chloe said. I have no idea. Um. Yeah, but, I mean, 
it is a extremely surprising news considering i guess the word had been right that ethan like didn't want to do it anymore like didn't want to make movies anymore and just wanted to focus on writing like and like not even like necessarily like screenwriting i think uh but now this is a um it's a he's it's like set up at focus and working title um and it's like he's making a movie now. Yeah. Which I guess is just like it's surprising to see that he is he is doing it. I mentioned this somewhere um, else earlier, but it is funny that the focus features are producing the lesbian road trip movie and A twenty four made the Macbeth movie. It feels right. like those should be flipped. Mm. Um but yeah. Colin, did you ever find the title? No, I've, I have been looking for it, and I cannot find okay, it. Okay, the title is... None of these... The title, it might have been specious, that reporting on what it was, then, because it looks like it's been wiped from all these articles that I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess apparently that was, like, maybe the original title when it was first announced in, like, 07, and maybe it changed. But the title was Drive Away, and then A Word for Lesbians That Starts With Sure, the... okay, yes, yeah. So, uh, okay. don't think you can call a movie that? Certainly not if you're Joel Cohen directing yeah. it. Um, Ethan Cohen. Ethan Cohen, yeah. yes, excuse me. That's going to be happening a lot, I think. Um, well, maybe not. We'll see. Maybe. Um, I don't know, but, like, yeah, it is, I don't know, it's just weird that now it's going to be like, oh, who's more, the more talented one or whatever. It's like, <laughs> sure, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really excited I mean, for those conversations. It... Maybe we should wait until we get more into the meat of the week to talk about the Coens and which what like what the sort of division of labor is between them. Sure. Uh, I did very quickly want to try and say these few other movies that are multi award winners at Cannes because uh, it happens not infrequently but maybe less frequently right. than it's happened type. like 10 or a dozen times maybe right yeah something like that yeah yeah a little bit in that area certainly like yeah i believe a fair amount <laughs> i believe the more important thing with uh uh martin fink was that after it they decreed it so that a movie right could... they created rules as to if you are winning multiple ones which ones are you allowed to win yes yeah, yeah. and i can't be more than talk two. about yeah, when we talk about our our rules for like when we do our juries and our drafts, those are the rules that we reference. Uh, right. And here are some of the other winners. Um, in 1946, Lost Weekend by Billy Wilder won Best Actor for Ray Milland, uh, and also it won. You said it was like a the Grand Prix, the Grand Prix. That, year. that was that first can so where they gave like seven or eight movies the top prize which was called the Grand Prix yeah. so like a lot of the a couple of those movies also won other prizes yeah and one of the other ones was uh, La Symphonie Pastorale by Jean Delnoy and the it also it's joint award was with actress and Michelle Morgan won um, in 1949 The Walls of Malapaga um, <laughs> by Rene Clement won Best Director and Best Actress for Issa Miranda. In 1951, Anthony Asquith's Browning Version won Actor and Screenplay for Michael Redgrave and Terrence Radigan, respectively. In 1962, Cindy Lumet's Long Day's Journey Into Night 
won actors for Catherine Hepburn, and then actor with three winners for Dean Stockwell, Ralph Richardson, and Jason Robards. Oh, and actually that year, there there was there was dual awards in both actress and actor, and the other movie in that case was also the same movie, which I failed to tell you earlier, Colin. Sure. That's my apologies. That movie is A Taste of Honey. Okay. Uh, by, uh, adapted from a play uh, by Sheila Delaney um, with, and t- directed by Tony Richardson. Um, and it is it won actress for Rita Tushingham and actor for Murray Melvin. Sure. Um, in 1969, Costa Gavras won the jury prize for Z and Jean-Louis Trintignant also won for actor. In 1980, Marco Bellocchio's Leap in the Dark won actor for... Michele Piccoli and actress for Anouk Ami. And it also... Atore Scola's La Terrazza won screenplay and Carla Gravina won supporting actress from that film. In 1988, Chris Minji's A World Apart won The Prix and also Barbara Hershey, Jodie May, and Linda Mavuzzi all won actress. In 1989, a movie we talked about, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, won the palm and also James Spader won actor in 1992 skipping over Barton Fink uh, in 1992 Robert Altman uh, won for the player for director and Tim Robbins won for actor in 99 uh, Bruno Dumont good (laughs) friend of the show (laughs) Bruno Dumont's uh, La Humanité won Grand Prix actors for Severin Keneal and actor for Emmanuel Chote in 2000, uh, Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark won Palm, and then Bjork won Actress. Uh, in 2001, uh, Michelle Hanukkah's The Piano Teacher won Pre, Isabel Huppert won for Actress, and Benoit Magimel won for Actor. In 2003, Gus Van Sant's Elephant won the Palm, and he also won Director. So now you can see after this, uh, this run, you're only getting minimal awards although i guess piano teacher was three um but right and that and that one you just said was like they're not supposed to give those two right yeah it was they they broke the rule they gave director and two acting um and then a year we've talked about 2006 um famously volver won screenplay and then actress for let me see if i can do these names shoe lampreve johanna kobo carmen mora uh, Lola Duenas, Blanca Portillo, and Penelope Cruz all won. And then for Rashid Bukhareb's Days of Glory, the actor was also a joint prize to Jamel Dabouz, Sami Nasseri, Sami Bulgila, Rashdi Zim, and Bernard Blancan. They all won uh, their acting award. And then the last two... In 2016, Oscar Farhadi won screenplay for The Salesman, and Sahib Hosani won for actor. And in 2017, You Were Never Really Here won Joaquin Phoenix for actor, and Lynn Ramsey shared the screenplay prize with someone who I did not write down. But it doesn't matter because she's the only one who won that also won a different award. <laughs> so those are the other sort of. I think you skipped over 65. Uh, uh, which was uh, Samantha Egger and Terrence Stamp, both for the collector, sure. one actor and actress. Yes, actress yes, yes. And actor, respectively. Um, but this is all just to say it happens Not, from time to time. Yeah. But it's also 
maybe a little interesting when it happens. And you know what? 2017 being the last one, I say we're due for another one. This year, I hope maybe. Elvis sweeps. <laughs> you think, I guess we should, should we talk about whether Elvis will be a competition or not. Yeah, we like don't really did. know, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have that information soon, maybe. Um, Disappointment bite. Boulevard sweep. <laughs> yeah, it's the five-hour movie. Um, do we want to talk about the oh movie God. first if, or about the if can? Nathan Lane and Patty Lapone win a prize at can? You'll never hear the end of it from me. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to end this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Let's sorry. Talk about what the movie? Yeah, let's talk about Barton Fink, which is uh, my personal favorite Cohen's movie. Interesting. Um, uh, it has been. I have. It has been my go-to answer for that for a while. It is one of the earlier Cohen movies I saw. I saw like Raising Arizona and Lebowski like pretty young i think and maybe one or two others uh oh brother i remember that being yeah. like that was a special like oh i like get to watch a grown-up movie or whatever uh because that, that soundtrack was so huge and yeah all that sort I mean, of thing um <laughs> the idea of that uh, as a grown-up movie because that movie's so silly <laughs> i know I, mean, I have a very similar experience where i was like I would watch that movie all the time when I was a child because my parents just love listening to that soundtrack and they bought the DVD and we would just watch it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember going to like on maybe a new year's Eve party at a neighbor's house where they like played that entire soundtrack at like, just like as at the party. White people really went um, crazy for that one. It seems a little, yeah, a little, yeah. Be, it was like a, a cultural be, phenomenon. A little before my time. I'll say. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, like, had seen a couple of these movies. I didn't quite, like, have a firm idea of, like, the Coens as, like, totemic people of the film world, I don't think. Yeah. And then Barton Fink was, like, I had some idea of who they were, and this was one of the ones that was about theater in some way. And I, of course, was sure. a big theater kid. Uh, and so it's one of the very first movies I ever watched on Netflix Instant Watch, which it was wow. then called. Uh, which uh, I remember, like it was w- back when the titles, like were they were like little thumbnail just of the poster, and then there was the blue like watch now button below them, right mm-hmm. on the interface online. Be- when you when Netflix was primarily a disc service, still. How did this movie uh, play? Remember... Like watching ten minutes, then pausing for it to buffer, then watching ten yeah. more minutes. Yeah, and I yeah I remember watching it like on my desktop computer in my bedroom as like a high schooler, and being like, "Wow, that was like there was a lot going on in that. I don't really understand it all, but I think I really liked it." And so then like I moved out. I saw you know I've seen lots of Cohen movies since then. I I still have maybe and maybe the most underseen on the Coens of the podcast panelists i'm still missing a good number of them i've seen them all i've seen them yeah. all also yeah, yeah. so obviously Which i'm ones the... are you missing uh i miss well i mean i couldn't tell you anything about raising arizona even though i've probably sure. seen it yeah, yeah, yeah. um well, uh favorite. i i've never seen man wasn't there i think i've only my, I've... my second favorite <laughs> miller's crossing i think i haven't my third seen favorite. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I haven't seen Intolerable Cruelty or Lady Killers. My favorite. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there's like a handful more that I haven't seen. Um, uh, but yeah, and then it became sort of my go-to for favorite Coens, just because it sort of stuck in my mind. It's just that ending, like, is so like 
implants yeah. on your brain like all the fu- like it's unforgettable all the fire and stuff uh and john goodman and and, and all that and what, i'm sure we'll get into all that mm-hmm. um but i didn't see it again until this week like until wow, like, that's crazy i know this is only my second time watching it this week and it had been my go-to answer for like what is your favorite cohen's uh and i watched it and there are enormous plot threads that I, like, completely did not remember at like all. Like all the John Mahoney stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did not remember anything about John Mahoney appearing in the movie. Uh, but I was, again, transfixed, and I, like, took, like, four and a half pages of notes wow. on it, this viewing. Like, it, like, I was just really engaged by it the whole time and was really transfixed by it from the, from the very first frame. Um, yeah. So that's my history with Barton Fink. I don't know if anyone else wants to get into uh, theirs. Mine, I think I may have talked about it because we, we talked about on one of our birthday episodes, we talked about Hudsucker Proxy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may have talked about this then. But when Hail Caesar was coming out, I had only seen like, because I saw, I think Oh Brother was my first. And then like, as like the years had gone by, I saw like No Country when that came out and then um, didn't see another one until True Grit, and then uh, Lewin Davis. Um, but then when Hail Caesar was coming out in 2016, I, um, to prep for it, just, like, on a whim as, like, uh, you know, freshly <laughs> dropped out of college, uh, was watching, I was like, let me just watch every single Coen's movie in two days <laughs> and like just started Jesus. with <laughs> blood simple was like on Hulu or something, or it was maybe like at the dawn of like Filmstruck. So blood simple was sure. on there. And I was like, I watched this and then I just watched raising Arizona and then just kept rolling through all of them. And that was like the first way, first time I watched a lot of them other than like the big ones, basically. Um, so, like, unsurprisingly, I didn't really have a firm memory of Barton Fink, as that was, like, maybe the worst way to watch it for the first time. Um, and I liked it. I think, like, when it started, like, I'm sure we'll get into the plot, obviously, but um, when it starts with him, like, doing the play and then, like, going to the mix, like, the party afterwards, I was like, this is going to be the best one. I'm, like, <laughs> sold already. And then, like, as the rest of it happens, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, not loving a lot of this stuff. And I still, like, did it fully. Um, but yeah, I think just to cover the base, I think my favorite is Lewin Davis, but I mean, I really do love, um, True Grit a lot. And, uh, I think about a lot of their movies a lot. I should rewatch the ones that I've only seen once. Um, yeah, I mean, the ones that I like, I, I think about a lot. I mean, the ones that I love. But I like Miller's about. Crossing is one that I'm like. I like it. I think it's, like, maybe, like, middle tier of my Coen's ranking if I had one. Uh, but I've seen it, like, three times in the past, like, two years. And I'm, like, always thinking about that movie. Polito and that is so good. Give him the hi-hat. Um, I mean, what... I guess my favorite, actually, is Raising Arizona. But then it is... Pro- like, Le- I feel like I just love Lebowski. Like, Lebowski is a movie that I often go to to just, like, watch to have fun. I, I need to watch it again. And good. Yeah. That's a, that's a, Lebowski is a big, like, we're on vacation, we rented a house in the Adirondacks, and, like, we're gonna watch a, we're gonna watch a movie that's, like, one of my Everyone parents' favorites like, or whatever. Quad. Like, yeah, like, 
Blues Brothers was also one of those weird. Sure. I remember I remember watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time on VHS at like a cabin and whatever. And Lebowski is definitely one of those where it's like, oh, my parent, my, like my dad, I think likes the Coens a lot, especially um, would maybe consider them his favorite directors. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, watching Lebowski was like a big like, oh, this is a classic that we all love and are excited to watch. Your dad um, went yeah. to the Stop Making Sense tour and loves the Coens. We should have him on the show. Not yeah, you. I was gonna say, I love the new <laughs> bit of our podcast of Andy being lamer than his dad. <laughs> I am so much lamer than my dad. It's crazy. Um, it's certainly a direction to head. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, my take on them more that they're good. I, I just like like watching their films though i do struggle with bart and fink because I, I guess a thing i appreciate about their movies generally is that they move they're very zippy they go in a lot of places and bart and fink obviously do i think this is obviously what they're going for is one of their movies that does seem to take its time and just like settle down and just like mm-hmm. Yeah, rest in the boredom for a while, which may, sometimes right. makes me struggle watching it. Also, because it's like so locked into its setting. The this watch, I sort of, I guess the me remembering the first time I watched it, I I thought it was like ninety percent just him at the hotel with uh, yeah. with Goodman. And this rewatch, I was like, ah, oh, there's more stuff outside of it. Like yeah, the Mahoney stuff. I did remember the Mahoney stuff, and I remember watching it. When I saw it this time, I was like, yeah, I remember liking all this stuff a lot. And then the stuff with uh, Lerner and Polito and... uh, Yeah. Shaloub. 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 Tony Shaloub. What a guy. I just just watched Gattaca, and Shaloub has, like, a very small role in Gattaca. And he's, like, doing a similar character to Fink. I was like, Shaloub is money. (laughs) Shaloub and fucking man who wasn't there is maybe one of the best performances in the history of yeah. cinema. He's just so fucking. That's good. one I need to rewatch because I feel like I should love it because it's just get like Gandolfini and, but I remember just not vibing with it. Gandolfini, Shaloub. But I mean that is I I think I've talked about this with um, friend of the show Jackson, because um, we were talking about like the Coens and like which ones you like and which ones you don't, and he's like. Uh, the, he's got like a theory that everyone who like even like the people that love the Coens uh, and like love some of their movies a lot can have just that one Coens that annoys him because I think he says like oh brother art that he just finds so grating and like doesn't like it and I think like other than the sort of canned answer of least favorite Coens being lady killers Man who wasn't there, I remember just not liking really and like not being on the wavelength. The the first time I watched Fargo, I was like, yeah, I had that where I was just like, <laughs> there we did. There, we, I mean, this is obviously, uh, I will admit this being a bad take on Fargo, but I the first time I remember like, wow, they're really beating up on William H Macy here. <laughs> <laughs> the guy well, just. <laughs> Trying to live. Give a guy a break. <laughs> what did he even freaking do? Yeah, I mean, they cer- they certainly have, I think people can sense that they have a mean streak in them sometimes. Sure. And sometimes yeah, yeah. I mean, it they're works. very cynical. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it, a lot of their movies can feel like they're just beating up on regular people for, for like, wanting things. Then that is certainly something that I sometimes, like, 
struggle with and push against, but I feel like I, as I have become older, I sort of have mellowed out to that viewpoint a little more and just, like, emb- embrace it all. But there are certainly movies. I feel like Serious Man is that also. Just yeah. Like, but Serious Man. one guy yeah. just not catching a break. Yeah, Serious Man I love, though. Because I think Serious And Lewin Davis, obviously. Lewin Davis. He's mostly getting in his own way, but. Yeah. I mean, Serious Man is the one movie where it's, like, fully, like, this this guy doesn't deserve a lick of what is coming to him, and they're just right. Just... It's the book of Job, right? Like or what? Like it's like just like yeah, we're gonna like this guy. He's getting it all. Porch, what a porch love. Yeah, and I think like some their movies. I think a, a key to them working and connecting or not, I think is often just how like the main character navigates through all of that. And I think Barton Fink is actually a very interesting example of that. That I think the most fascinating thing about Barton Fink is trying to trying to under trying to understand and trying to figure out what the movie feels about Barton Fink as a person. It's interesting. Yeah. So I guess let's talk a little bit about Barton Fink as a character, right? He's like extremely loosely based on Clifford Odets, who is a playwright who was famous for like writing like socially conscious theater. Like uh, I, I I read Awaken Sing in college, like, and it's like a very famous like telling a story of the working class, like, and labor, and like wh- how their how and their struggles and like what the, and that sort of thing. So they sort of took that, and then I think. I don't think the characterization has anything to do with what Clifford Odets was like, but like he, the Barton Fink, the character writes the type of plays that Clifford Odets would. The common man. Right. The story. Right. And he goes on about the common man. And so I get the movie opens right with him having success, found success on Broadway. Yeah. Right. He's in the, at the Belasco theater, I believe. Um, a great theater. Um, uh, the cool. uh, <laughs> we can't get Andy started on theaters. Uh, yeah, yeah. But actually, um, if I wanted to rank my favorite theaters. St. <laughs> James and Lyceum, number one and number two. Um, <laughs> uh, not even a joke. <laughs> nope. Not even a shred of humor in that sentence. <laughs> nope. Um. Uh. Yeah. And and so right. And you cut to your your backstage and like you see some of the actors and you hear some of the lines and stuff. And I think they're really good at writing the The fake. fake, Yeah. Like the fake theater and the fake screenplay at the end. Like you, they're, they're really good at writing how the plays endings sound or like how screenplay. It does have like that cadence. (laughs) Right. Of like, and so it's the morning and then like end of play or whatever. Like that sort of thing. What's the um, Simpsons where he's like, and they actually become little women or whatever. <laughs> or no, it's like the red badge of courage. Right. Um, they weren't little girls anymore. They were little women, I think. is from The other one, yeah, yeah, Simpsons, yeah. Simpsons. Um, uh, Yes, so uh, he's backstage. It's a big success. It's a big hit. He's immediately ushered into high society and meets all the high society New York City phonies. Uh, which is, I think, is another thing that I love and kind of wish there were a little more of in the movie. If there, if I wish there were more of anything, just like New York High Society in yeah. the fifties and like is like so fun to me. It is, um, that uh, that's when I was like, oh, this is sick. Where he's like 
at the bar he's like I was waiting for you like having to talk to these people it's so dull or whatever right and it's they're so like well I'm not a critic but I know that I yeah. loved it or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> and like they read the, the paper to him and the notices are really good or whatever um, and he goes on about how he wants to like use this opportunity to like capitalize on his idea of making like art for the common man and he talks about that as like something that's really important to him Right, and then he is immediately tempted away from that by with a year long or whatever contract at, uh, what's the name of the studio in it? Uh, it's um, Capital Picture. Uh, Capital, Capital Pictures, Pictures, of course, which is a recurring motif in the Cohen's yeah. filmography, I believe, as, uh, and, uh, Hail, Hail Caesar, Caesar as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when I need a rewatch for real because I always thought that, that one time. It's like my third favorite. That really I think I love it good. so much. That movie's so good. And I, yeah, yeah. I just need to give another go. Yeah. Um, and and so like it's all apparent almost instantaneously that he's kind of full of shit right about what his art how he's using his art and what his like what and what his commitment to his like ideals are right because he's like he is it it does not he puts up a little resistance but it does not take very much to talk him into making a lot of money writing for being like a, a studio hire job to write B pictures. Yeah. Um, uh, and whatever. Um, and like, and you see it later on, like the way he talks to John Goodman, Charlie. Right. And like, yeah, he just, and I, I, I got the Blu-ray and I watched some of the interviews and stuff. And Turturro says this, like, he just doesn't listen. Like he doesn't yeah. know how to listen to a regular person who's like talking to him. Like yeah. he just talks I over mean, Goodman all the time. I used and... to be a little fair. He doesn't know how to listen to anybody. It's almost the same relationship he has with like the snobby rich New York people, where he's just like, sure, what I you're you are all saying a lot of things, but I have my own opinion, and that exists above yours. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He's so like <laughs> self-absorbed and self-obsessed with like himself as an artist and what his mission is that he is like cutting himself off from like what is actually around him and what the people around him are actually like saying and wanting and doing and all that sort of thing. And like those people are various levels of like people worth engaging with. Right. Like there's like, I mean, well, and then like, who knows, like we'll probably talk a lot about like what Goodman is in this movie. Sure. <laughs> like it's, it goes a lot of places, but like, yeah, I mean like that, that central sort of like, Oh, this guy, like, this guy is maybe not all he seems to be like he's 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 hitting artistic success he's had a chance or whatever he has some version of artistic ideals that he can articulate but like he is not really committed to this and it's not going to stick with yeah. him anyway and then you have that scene where it's like he finally like after getting like the news from the place of goodman he like finally writes his screenplay or whatever and mm-hmm. then goes out to the party and he's just like, I'm a writer <laughs> to like right. these sailors who like do not give a shit. God, that like, scene of don't him you understand the, how important the, the written word right. is? Yeah, it's so funny. But that's like him at his most hysterical. But like, obviously, like getting to like no, like saying the quiet part loud of like what he's been doing the whole movie. Just like, right? Don't you understand how important I am? I write right. and like bullshitting his way all the way through too like he's not producing anything and then there's that scene with michael lerner by the pool yeah where he like is like where michael lerner's like give it to me in broad strokes just like tell me what the story is and he like 
at the last second bullshits his way. He can't he can't say like I don't have anything. He says, "Oh, I have it all in my head, but if I say it out loud, it'll ruin it, so I can't." And then Polito like tries to call bullshit on it, and then Lerner like takes his blows side. up on Polito. Um, yeah. <laughs> And kisses uh, Barton's foot. And <laughs> Lerner is so funny in this. He's like... incredible in this. There's a on the if you get the Blu-ray, I got the Blu-ray. It's a Kino Lorber Blu-ray. Uh, I'm showing it to my co-host right now that I got. Uh, there's an interview on there with Michael Lerner, uh, and they were done like Michael Lerner recently passed away, I believe. But there, I'm not sure what year this came out in, but I think there it's like pretty recent. Uh, the mm-hmm. interviews and stuff, and it opens with Michael Lerner like cutting open a Cuban cigar, and he's like, "You know why they're like why Cubans are good? Because they taste like shit." And then he like is like giving his answers or whatever, and it's like, "Do I look in the camera?" Or and, and then the guy's like, "You can look at me." And then he continues to like look back and forth into the camera and at the guy for the rest of the interview. He just like will speak in- extemporaneously about anything. He goes on and on about how like. He, like, and the Coens are both, like, atheists and stuff and, like, have these worldviews or whatever. And he thinks they're geniuses. And then he, at one point, is like, I saw Hail Caesar and, like, I don't think it was half as good as Martin Fink was or whatever. <laughs> like, he, like, is really holding court. And then the interview ends with him. He gets a phone call on his landline. He picks it up and is like, Hello? And then just hangs it up, and then that's the end of the interview. Crazy. <laughs> it's really, really funny, and I really highly recommend it. It's a 15-minute interview with Michael Lerner on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, it's a very good line. I mean, his introduction scene is just incredible. and just a barrage of lines. But he's just like, he's like, some say the old guard bought him out. Well, I say. I say the old guard bought him out. And it's just like, the way his... He just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and just incredible to watch. But yeah, I think yeah, that that is the I think the fundamental thing. Like that ending scene is a, the with him at the pool is the fundamental thing about Martin Fink, where he's just like, I wanna he wants to be the realest person of all time, and then he says, well, I have something in my mind, but if I write it, then it will ruin it. So it's just like he almost has an opposition to making things real and tangible, which is the opposite of what he's claiming to be he like is a person who wants to understand the working man but also refuses to work right and like and Lerner is like so bought in on I guess just having heard that his play is good I basically right he like knows nothing of his actual work or anything is like I want that Barton Fink feeling he says a million times throughout the thing and then when he does finally turn something in and is like extremely proud of it, he hates it and like is immediately like this is garbage. Like I'm gonna like I'm gonna ruin you by keeping you on contract and forcing you to do like like you can't you you're not a real writer or whatever. Like he turns on him immediately as soon as he gets a real whiff of like what his work is actually like. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we go from that scene with Lerner. It's like. The way that it is structured is he's just, like, meeting, you know, the who's who of character actors of the 90s where it's, like, he goes to the hotel afterwards and, like, or I guess that's a little bit before, but he's, like, Steve Buscemi is Chet the The bellhop. Yeah. And it's, like, he's playing, I always get this in his Miller's Crossing character, which I think he's Mink. Uh, No, Mink is the guy who... No, that's Rug. I think he's Mink. Um, he's like 
the Danes uh, boyfriend and also John Goodman's uh, John Goodman, John Turturro's boyfriend and uh, Miller's Crossing, which like, I guess we should say also they like were writing Miller's Crossing and were just spending too much time on it and like took a break and then wrote this and then like went back and like, cause they were like writing it specifically with Turturro in mind. And I feel like very recently, cause I guess it timed out with the Batman Turturro did an inter one of those GQ or whatever, like career actor talking about. Yeah. yeah sure. And he talks a little bit about all of his Cohen movies and he talks a little bit about, Barton Fink and how like it was a blast to do which is very funny because sure. it's, it's such a stressful movie yeah. um, and then like he was just talking about working with Goodman and like how fun that is and like what a like generous partner scene partner Goodman is mm-hmm. but it is like I think about um these two movies like obviously they came out back to back years um, and fit of a piece I guess with the sort of early Cohen's aesthetic, like art deco-y and this when they're at Capitol Pictures and like, uh, I guess more so in Hudsucker, but in, um, Turturro in, um, Miller's Crossing is like, I think such a good performance <laughs> and, uh, in Barton Fink, it's like such a different vibe. Um, and I, like when I was watching that, that clip of him, um, the video with him talking about his different sort of uh, the retrospective, like, it is funny to see, like, I think of John Turturro and, like, he is, like, a specific guy in my mind, but right. he plays all these different uh, yeah. characters, like, he is, like, a bit chameleonic in that way. Yeah, he's got a really good... Right, for a guy who's, like, is very physically striking and specific and, like, has that very specific voice as well. Yeah. Like, he's still able to really, like, bend that and move around and, like, be play a lot of different types. Um... He's really good in the plot against America. The, uh, the yeah, I never series. saw that. The fucking yeah. David Simon, Phil yeah. Roth. I gotta see yeah. that. He's, he's so really good, good in the Night of also, which they oh show. sure and right that. replacing Gandolfini, like, like boy. Well, yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's crazy. But in that clip, he's like, I want to do more as his character, but they just haven't written anything. Right, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, I just want to do more cases with his bad feet. Oh man, his, yeah, he's got the foot fungus, <laughs> and he's like wrapping it in Saran wrap or whatever. Yeah. But, like, from that very first image of him in this movie, like, it, he's, he's so like, visually striking. He's got the, the hair up, head. and he's holding the playbill, like, like completely twisted yeah. in his hand. Like, it's so tense and tight and cramped. It's, like, such an iconic image, I feel like, of that introduction of him. And it really tells you so much about the character from the get-go. Yeah, um, yeah it does. It's, like, yeah. he's a person who it's almost painful for him to watch his play get produced. It's just like yeah, right. Any any conception of his work beyond what exists in his own head is just extremely. It just is extremely stressful to him. He just struggled with it. Yeah, and it is like you talking about Macy in Fargo, which I had rewatched recently before this, um, before rewatching Barton Fink, and like he like for lack of a better word, is, like, such a cuck in that movie and, like, is just getting stepped on by everybody. And in my head, Barton Fink is much more meek. But then when I was watching it, it's like, no, he is, like, strong-willed and, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> very opinionated and, like, not afraid mm-hmm. to, like, be loud, like, with people. And it is, like, a very interesting thing of, like, this Cohen's lead that all this stuff happens to who also, like despite being like a little bit 
you know, of their own ass or whatever, like, does stand up for himself in, like, a way that, you know, like, serious man, like, that character doesn't. And, um, yeah. Sure. Give you a- like, in the scene where, like, uh, in my head, I remember, like, him being, like, much more frightened of good men. Like, there is that confrontation early on where he's like, did you call downstairs, like, to complain about me? Right. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I just was calling and, like, then Goodman walks in. Right. And he's like, I was worried about you or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's able to spin it. Yeah, because Goodman's, then, I guess, like, been crying. Uh, yeah, he was, like, yeah. crying next to her. Should we talk about Goodman? <laughs> I mean, he's incredible. Le- There's so much to talk about with Goodman. He's so fucking good. He's, he's so such a good, good actor. I love um, seeing him so much. He's so... Yes. I mean, because he, he was in Raising Arizona. He's one of the brothers. Yeah. And then he's in this, and he is so scary. It's crazy. So that character, like, and like... I, like, I certainly don't fully understand this movie, and he is certainly, I think, the key to that of, like, I don't quite know everything that's going on with that guy in, like, such a delightful way of, like, he starts off as, like, a representative of, like, the common working man or whatever, <laughs> and then ends it as essentially the devil, right? Like, yeah, Satan like, himself. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's, so like... And, like, Barton has a genuine relationship to him, but also is, like, not very particularly nice to him. And, like, their relationship does start off with that weird, like, him, like, trying to avoid confrontation by calling down to the desk who who then immediately rats him out or whatever. Um, uh, And, yeah, and, like... There's the constant refrain of where he's like, I could tell you some stories or whatever. And Barton's like, yeah, I'm sure you could. And, like, doesn't ever want to hear them. Yeah, no, no uh, questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, like, is, like, such, like, a really, you do buy him in the beginning as, like, that average workaday guy. So much so that, like, when the movie is like, no, he's a serial killer. Yeah. Who is the, de- like, then, like... There's all sorts, like, it's not a literal movie, obviously. There's all sorts of, no. like, the the hotel catches on fire and, like, nothing happens, really. Like, it's, like, when it, there's, like, all, obviously, there's all this stuff. And, like, Goodman comes to be a force of pure chaos and violence and destruction and evil. And it's, like, so wild that it's, that that is the arc of that character to me. Yeah, or he's, like, I mean, and that intro scene to him where it's, like, I think you hear him crying, like, Barton calls... And then it's like you just see the wall and you hear the phone ring and he's like, What? And then right. you just like And the camera footsteps. tracks him from yeah. Barton's room. So you like hear him walking towards the door and the camera like just pans across an empty hotel wall, oh, yeah. which I love. Yeah. And then like he knocks immediately on the door and like opens it up. He looks and at, he's he, like get his head. He in looks his hands. right. He looks so striking. He looks like John Goodman, who's like a very striking looking individual. He like photographs wonderfully on film. I love John Goodman on film. <laughs> he's got um, a great face. And yeah, he's like sweaty, yeah, and like he's, he's so he's so, he's so moist, and yeah. and his you see tears, and like he is threatening because he's like, did you call tell on me or whatever? Barton comes up with a convincing enough like I was worried about yeah. you or whatever, and he immediately goes into like friendly all shucks like, yeah. let me give you a dr- buy you a drink. I mean, well, yeah, he like barges in. He, like, yeah, I feel like the foley in the movie is like he's got the heaviest footsteps ever. Yeah, and it's always just like dish, dish, yeah. dish, as he's walking around. Yeah, and well, he like he is, instantly he is like, like, like seven he's, like, feet get yourself tall, a glass. Fucking yeah, I mean he's so tall, he's so big. 
The right. scene where they wrestle is so funny. Yeah. Where he's like, you grab right here, and he like right. slaps himself really hard. The way, yeah, and, and the way the bed, the way the bed sinks the every spring, time he sits yeah. on it, yeah. And like, yeah, he grabs the glass from next to the bed, makes Barton go get the one from the bathroom so that they can share <laughs> a drink together. Uh, and they like have a pretty nice conversation where Barton is very rude and does not actually engage with him, <laughs> but like is pleasant enough. And like he's very interested in what Barton is and what Barton does, and is like open to him being like a writer and an artist and all that sort of thing and like yeah. is excited by that um yeah what's the and, bit where he's like he's like oh you're a real writer <laughs> he's like yeah i thought i was talking to some like to like a newspaper man with a dream yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, um, charlie meadows is his fake name. yeah because at the beginning he's like well you can be like insurance i love it it's a great job you should ever consider it and then he was like oh i'm so sorry don't i have egg on my face that that's such a good line but yeah, yeah but then yeah, he describes yeah. everything he loves about his job, which is like a normal, like, door-to-door insurance job, and then, and then Barton Fink is just, like, so condescendingly, he's just like, well, I, you know, sometimes I envy you. You have a, you feel like you have a lot in this life, you have a work, you clock right. in, you clock out. I'm a writer, I have to, like, pull these things out yeah, from my like, brain. I have all these, like, I have... I have the burden of creativity. Right. I wish I could just not think like you do. <laughs> He's such an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, like, there's also Mahoney, who... Yes. He's, like, at the bathroom in Capitol Pictures, and here's a guy throwing up, and then right. out walks Mahoney. And he's, like, and he... on his, like, monogrammed, like, yeah. handkerchief or whatever, yeah. throwing up. He's, like, vaguely... Um, William Faulkner. Faulkner. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, his character's name is W.P. Mayhew, and he's, like, an author who's writing B-pictures also for Capital, and, like, an alcoholic, <laughs> and, uh... Right, he's... and he, like, has a relationship with his secretary. Yes. Um... um who is Judy Davis as yes, uh, Audrey, Audrey Taylor. Taylor. Um... And, like, is horrible. Like, he's, like, it, you've, you've, you know... Barton looks up to him as, like, a real writer, and, like, he wants to get help from him because he has to write a wrestling picture, and he doesn't know how to do that, right? And, like, I love I love the detail of him, like, how often you see the opening lines to the screenplay that he, like, yeah, is able yeah. to rattle off, but then he's never able to get any further. Um, uh, and But, like, he quickly finds out that he's, like, a complete fraud. Like, yeah. I guess it's not... Quickly. I mean, it's like it happens over time. Like, yeah, he, he finds out that uh, Davis is writing most of his books, and like, uh, and he's like a horrible alcoholic, time. like, yeah. and like is non-functioning a lot of the time, and it seems like he is abusive towards her. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it is interesting because it was like I didn't remember it at all from my first time viewing, like over a decade ago or whatever. I mean, it is. Um, Part of my, I guess, problem with the movie, because I do think it's, like, very good, but it just doesn't get all the way there for me. And I think it is, like, maybe by design, but the functionality of, like, having it jump around so much between all these different characters makes it all feel a little, like, disjointed to me in a way, where it's, like, there is this sort of centering of everything that, like, happens back at the hotel, but then it's just, mm -hmm. like, a little vignette in a way that I think the Coens can do because like i i mean like um true grit and like inside lewin davis are very episodic in their own ways Fargo's like, pretty vignette -y. like there's like a lot of stuff going on there also i'd say 
Yeah, I don't, Fargo. I don't. I think it ties it better. Yeah, Fargo does tie it mostly, off. but I mean the vagueness of this one is like baked in. So yeah, it's like vague. This movie's like really dense. I think. Yeah. I think if, if you read uh, this book, really ties the room together. Uh, Adam Neiman's book on the, the Adam Neiman uh, on the Coen Brothers. Brother, book, yeah, you do sort of get a lot about how basically most of their work. Is just like a lot of collection of like references, like literary references, mm-hmm. old Hollywood stories, old movies they watched, comedy they consumed when they were young, TV stuff, and just like Sturgis, a Sturgis, lot, yeah. all, and uh, their movies tend to be like a collection of a bunch of these influences, like filtered through like their weird cynical brain. And this movie sort of feels like one of the movies that is the most that, where it's just like a dense collection of all, of these old Hollywood stories, and like it, its Wikipedia page is gigantic because there's oh, it's insane how big like how much go, analysis like, there of, is like yeah right it's like the majority is like style symbolism themes sources like uh, inspiration fascism the common man just like how yeah slavery religion like, <laughs> it's the it, weird spot between vagueness and density that this movie occupies and which it just like leaves a lot to you to sort of put together and figure out just yeah. like what it's all about and what it's meaning and what it's saying and like what there is necessarily to take from this you could think about it pretty small story with a lot going on and I, I can certainly see myself watching it just more and more over the years and just eventually finding myself just, like, really connecting to one specific take and really enjoying it on that level. But I think I still just have, like... The, I think I am somewhere to call it where it just, like, sometimes feels a little too vignette and disjointed. I don't feel like I'm really getting all of just one specific story. Though, I like, watching and- it... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we might have more to say about the movie, but I'll say that watching it, I do sort of get, like, why in 1991, if you're not extremely familiar with these directors, you watch this movie at Cannes, and you're like, oh, this is just brilliant. This is just a masterwork. Yeah. Um, and it's like, this movie is a bit rendered useless now that we have Mank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we get enough of the sort of writers and references to Hollywood at the time. <laughs> Um, but I do think just quickly, like, I don't know if I said this already, but on Goodman, there is just like a thing that he projects, like, I guess, warmth and like kindness. Yeah. Cause he's, he's such, like, like Roseanne's husband, like he's sitcom yeah. dad, right? Like, I he's feel like, like he's got like a famous smile where he's yeah. like, he, he's like, just a big happy guy all the time. He's got a big laugh, like he's yeah, big laugh and like, though. but also like a weird sort of like a gentleness. Like <laughs> he's a gentle mm-hmm. giant, but then also like he can so. It's like the same thing that happens in uh, a brother art that where he is like this friendly jovial guy, right? Like how the hell are you? And then he turns evil and like <laughs> eats a or crushes a frog with his hand right. or whatever, and like tries to kill them. Or um, even uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Sure, right, like yeah, that, like it's like protective, yeah. and then yeah, he sometimes feels reveal. just like yeah, very nice, just very soft. It's just like this feeling of just like if you if you like tried to like punch him, your your fist would just go directly inside him. He just like projects <laughs> this sort of like vulnerability. Sometimes it's just like this gentle person, this caring person, 
but yeah, just his size makes it so that he could instantly turn threatening at any given moment. He could just yeah become an absolute yeah. unit, and then if he's angry, there's sort of nothing you could do about it. He probably seems like he could take a bullet. I mean, yeah, and that's, like, at the end when he is, like, running down the hallway or whatever that's on fire. God. And, like, when he points, like, the shotgun at the guy. It's just it's so, so crazy. It's so, like, that that stuff is just so indelibly, like, seared in my brain from the first time watching it. And, like, that's a lot of the stuff that you'll, like, see gifts of from this movie. When he's, like, like, Kyle like, Hitler, you mean? <laughs> I mean, that's so crazy. That's crazy. I'll show you the life of the mind is uh, like a, uh, uh, a a big quote that people say from this movie because he repeats it over and over again. There's him like pulling the bed apart so that he can get out of the handcuffs and like just his face of like the effort that he's doing as he's pulling on the bed frame to like break it or whatever. And he seems superhuman. And yeah, just like, yeah, him running down the hallway, you can see the like stuff on the walls that is the uh like the path for the fire to go down like there's mm-hmm. like a you can see it like a wave of like whatever like the, the rubber like, cement or whatever it is yeah whatever the like the fuel they're using is to like yeah. and like it's just such a striking scene and apparently like they're like they're covered in like fire retardant goop or whatever like and i mean um, they look so slimy right and yeah he looks so and he's just running and it's just like an incredible force, and you're just like, holy shit! This guy is like the most, like the, he is the most powerful like being I have ever seen on camera. I mean, like, <laughs> speaking of the walls, there's also like the weird like, cummy walls, right? It's the, so the, gross. The, the peeling wallpaper is so nasty. That, I mean, this yeah. is like also the vibe of this movie is just like pure like sweltering heat. Right. And it's, like, the mosquitoes in his room, the wallpaper that's, like, the peeling off, and there's just, like, the slimy goo all over the place. It's so just yeah. sweaty and, I, and gross. And <laughs> at one point towards the end, it's implied that Goodman's presence is what brings the heat, right? Sure, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's hot again, like, Charlie must, or be, must be back, yeah. right? Or Munt or whatever his. Yeah. Um, Carl Madman Munt. Yeah. Um, so like that, I mean, that goes into people being like, oh, he's literally the devil or whatever in it. Sure. Um, which I don't think it's that simple, obviously, but, uh, yeah. I mean, so, uh, but then like in the movie, what happens is like, Fink starts developing this relationship with the ghost writer, the assistant, uh, of Mahoney and she like visits the hotel Right, he like calls her in a panic and is like, "You gotta like, help I can't, me." Yeah, I need like to write I can't the movie. do this. I have a deadline tomorrow, and uh, she's like, "Okay, I'll come over. I'll, like I'll try to get away. Like he'll he would turn. He'll, I'll try to escape. He might turn violent on me if I try. So I gotta wait for whatever." And then she shows up. Uh, and they like have sex. Yeah, <laughs> and he wakes up covered in her blood, and she's right. dead, and, it's, and she's just dead in the and no explanation. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets Goodman to help him. Um, and right. Goodman vomiting when he first sees the body. It's so gnarly. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, it's like, people talk about that this is, like, just a horror movie, and there's, like, moments where the vibe is that sort of tense, like, I think it's said that they're, like, inspired by sort of early Polanski, um, which is funny because he's the president of the jury this year, and, um, he, uh... But it is just, like, this creepy, dreadful, like, feeling movie. 
and then like as it goes into more like literal horror and like <laughs> violence like that is it's like really uh grotesque like her in the bed and like the blood the way he finds her right and the um, way it stains the bed yeah like, it's gnarly like goodman uh, like fixes it for him he like gets the body out and like strips the sheets and stuff but the bed is still covered in blood stains like a giant stain yeah yeah um, uh, and then like he goes and he has the meeting with Lerner and Polito, where Lerner where yeah where it. he yeah where he bluffs his way out of having to tell them anything. Which also, Polito I think is very good in this. He's obviously so funny in Miller's Crossing. <laughs> he plays Lou Breeze in this. He's just one of those guys that I'm like, anytime he's in a movie, it's him so... and Lerner are just like a great pair together. It's like I love that these but two I mean, guys are paired together. Like, it's also like a similar thing to Turturro of like. Polito is so meek in this and like the one time he stands up for himself or like tries to push against Fink and like Lerner just shuts him down and it's yeah. like in in the Miller's Crossing he's just all like higher energy and like higher status than everyone uh, he's also really funny in Lebowski because he's like he's like I'm also like a private detective like you he's like I'm a brother Seamus um <laughs> And when he's in the bug, he's, like, trying to roll his window up. And Lebowski stops him. It's really funny. Uh, but he's also, he's just, like, so compact. <laughs> he's, like, short and wide. And, but he, like, will move his arms really fast. <laughs> he's like, are you giving me the hi-hat? Yeah. I'm you gotta give somebody the hi-hat. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, but it is just fascinating how he they just, like, circle around all these actors. And they give them, like, yes, very yes. cool, interesting parts. Different parts all the time. Like... You think about Bart and Fink and Jesus, and I know, yeah, truly. And then like Met Charlie Meadows, and then you know whatever his name is in Lebowski, Goodman. God, what is it? I've, one of my favorite performances. I can't believe I forgot that character. He's really good. Uh, I need. I maybe I yeah. throw Lebowski on tonight. <laughs> maybe. Uh, that's one I haven't seen in a while. Um, too. Um, so would maybe be third on my rewatch list. Uh, what is his um, name? Walter Sobchak. Walter. Walter Sobchak. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. But, um, but yeah, so he goes to that meeting, and then, like, Goodman's, like, fixed it for him. Mm-hmm. Goodman is going out of town. Out of yeah. town. Uh, to New York or whatever. Gives him the mysterious box, which is like a big part of the symbolism of the last act of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and is like, hold this for me. This is like everything in the world that matters to me is in this box or whatever. Like, isn't it funny that you like, uh, that you can live a, a, like a whole life and everything that like really matters to you will fit in a box that size or whatever. Um, and then, yeah. Is there anything like, what is, what, what is, I guess the police start getting involved. Well, yeah. So then he gets to the hotel, he gets back to the Earl and that's when the the, te- the detectives are like, are you fake or whatever? And they have, like, the really aggro conversation. They, yeah, it's really fun uh, dialogue. Like they, Where they just, like, do not tolerate any of his bullshit at all. Yeah. Um, and then, like, after that, he, like, after that the dance after? Him, or, like, yeah, he writes... then he writes it, and then he goes to the dance with all the sailors. Which is, like, that is maybe the image more so than Goodman running down the hallway is fake like doing his finger whack dance like it's so as funny. everyone else is like his not physicality in that is so funny that dance. uh and he's just like clearly like crazy just like hands in the air like dancing right um, and you and get he... like little tastes of the screenplay like I said especially the ending you get like get like or whatever 
and like yeah. it seems like he he's seems like he's written like uh, maybe a slightly like it's still a wrestling picture definitely like it's still like yeah. it falls within the genre or whatever he's been assigned but i guess like it clearly does have like those slightly elevated playwright t artistic yeah my, i guess my uh, take yeah. on it i guess it's it's just like they wanted a wrestling picture and then he just made a drama about a wrestler yeah, it's like sure. he gave him whatever on the rod- on the waterfront or something. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, and, th- and there's like the scene where he goes watch dailies and like it's not helpful because it's just the guys yelling like yeah yeah going, he's like, yeah a bunch over and like, over stomping around. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, on the on the sort of plot description, it just says uh, that his script is lambasted as a fruity movie about suffering, <laughs> which is very funny. Um, but yeah, and, and it's like. He does that. He gives him the script. They don't like it. And then he, like, back at the hotel. Or he's back at the hotel, and that's when um, the, the police the, the are there. The police come back, room. and they're, like, going to arrest him. And then Goodman comes back as, like, they're, like, it, it is hot in here or whatever. And that's, like, that's when the fire is. Right. And uh, and Goodman just emerges from, like, the elevator accompanied so by fire, runs yeah. down the hallway, murders the policeman, uh, frees Fink, uh, and mm-hmm. exits the picture. Um, and then Fink, what is he, he just sort of, like, hangs out for a minute in the, in the... Oh, yeah, and then he goes, and that's when he talks to Lerner, and he sort of gives him the, like, he doesn't like the script and tells him that he'll be under contract. Sure. And, um, after that he walks to the beach, the famous shot, the picture of the woman at the beach. Right, which matches the, uh, the single piece of generic art that's been in his hotel room the whole time. Yeah. Uh, he has the box. He never opens the box. You never learn what is in the box. It's heavily implied that there's a head in the box. Yeah, um, he's a serial killer known for decapitation. Yeah, um, the original seven. And then the movie ends. Um, yeah, the original seven. It is. Um, you talking about the way that it looks? We haven't really talked about Deacons at all. It looks great. Right. It's the first Deacons um, uh, and Cohen's collaboration. Yeah. It moved. Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld was making the Adams family. <laughs> yeah, it is funny to think that's where they went. Um, but and then also, I was like, um, Burwell doing the music. They're frequent collaborator. It's a very yeah. good score. Good score. I love the uh, the the font of the credits. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like, like the big Art Deco-y sort of. Yeah, like the last names are huge. And yeah, like yeah. the the first names are like kind of smaller. I just like I think it's so striking and cool, um, and yeah. And there's like there's a few recurring images of like you hear the beach, the waves yeah. a few times. Like when he first arrives in Los Angeles, the first image is like a, a rock that a wave is crashing onto, which then fades into the hotel lobby, and yeah. so it looks sort of like the hotel lobby is like flooded for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah, interesting like West Coast like beach stuff uh, that's floating around throughout the whole movie that I don't quite couldn't quite unpack fully, but is certainly there. Um, and yeah, I just think like it's I think it's a really like it's just like a movie that like has so much that like every time you return to it, I think you can come away with like new thoughts and feelings about what things are are and what things are doing and what it all means and. And, like, you know, it's just, like, a perfect, like, perfectly, like, intellectually provocative in that way. Um, yeah. That uh, excites me. That's so why much. the French loved it, and they gave it all those awards it can. Well, yeah, so it is That's a right. very uh, lauded film this year, despite being a bit of a box office flop. 
Um, it got nominated for a few Academy Awards. Do either of you know off the top of your head? I'll say them if you don't. I uh, uh, I don't. I I saw them. Lerner got nominated for supporting actor. Great nom. Um, Dennis Gassner it, and Nancy Hyde got nom, nominated for art direction. But it's also <laughs> almost rude to not put like good Tertura. Goodman or Tertura. Goodman. Oh, Goodman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Goodman. I mean, yeah. That Goodman has never been nominated is one of the great tragedies of our time. Like, it's, it's like insane. an insane injustice it's, that, it's like, I do not understand. Insanely disrespectful. I am. It is. Yeah. It's disrespectful. I feel like we're probably years away from the sort of, like, we got to give him one. director gives Goodman, like, a meaty role or something. Like, right. an, an old man drama. Thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. The wrestler or whatever. <laughs> it's like, finally, we give him his due. Um, and then it also, uh, Richard Hornung won, uh, was nominated for costume design at the yeah. awards. Yeah. Uh, the other notable sort of award placement that I noticed, uh, is it is on the Kaye top 10 that year behind Miller's. Maurice Pilot's uh, Van Gogh and Miller's Crossing, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, the French, how they stretch it to fit, um, their... You know their list, their whatever they really fucking here. love the code. Yeah, and then it's at it's at Can. Um, our jury, we've got Roan Polanski as the president. Oh, uh, Farid Bugadir, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Margaret okay. Meningos, uh, Natalia Nagoda, Alan Parker, Jean Paul Rapineau, uh, Hans Dieter Seidel, Vittorio Storaro, and as we talked about Top Gun earlier. Vangelis, the composer, <laughs> is also on the jury for the main competition. And uh, it's a pretty good slate. We talked about the other movies that won awards. You get Rivette, you've got Kieslowski, you get Von Trier, David Mamet's Homicide is there. I know you're a big fan of a lot of <laughs> David Mamet's work and things that he said, Emilio. His output in terms of children. The things he stands for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, his work is a little overrated, but his opinions, they're just solid, bulletproof. His ability to have children. Uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, Bill Duke is in there with a rage in Harlem. Uh, Maurice Pilot's. Uh, is, this all co- is this all competition? This is the main competition. This is a good yeah. competition. I mean, yeah, it's a solid year. Um, and then, then Rowan Polanski and the rest of that year were just like, Barton Fink is a lot better than the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I did find an LA Times article from 1991 about uh, Barton Fink winning a bunch of can. Uh, it was also sort of not even that it just won a lot. People were upset that it was the third American film in a row uh, behind mm. Wild at Heart and... Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Sure. Um, they also, it says, like, the 10-member jury headed by Roman Polanski unanimously, unanimously selected Barton Fink as the best film. Um, Le Monde, which is France's most authoritative newspaper, took the jury to task for bestowing three top awards on one single film. It says, why not all the other prizes? <laughs> which is really funny. Right. Um, Just give it everything, why don't you? Yeah. Um, uh, it's a provocation, incomprehensible, unjustified, dictatorial way in which the jury let it be known that the festival had one film flying high above the others. Unbalanced, imperialist, they also said. Um, Jesus. Uh, Lars von Trier apparently was so mad, he hurled a lesser, uh, was hurled a lesser 
award after a post ceremony news conference. Um, he was only a, a runner up. Um, Von Trier insulted Polanski uh, when he was called on stage. That, to that's that's a, a technical prize. That's a real Godzilla. Let them fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoever wins, we lose. I was yeah, gonna he, say, given who the jury members were, what do you think Polanski thought about Whoopi Goldberg's recent comments about the Holocaust? <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, he, like, Von Trier literally threw his prize away, and his producer had to, like, dig out of the trash. Uh, what a drama. So, someone said, <laughs> Lars has seen the other films and thinks that his is the best. That's why he's so That's disappointed really funny. Uh, for his movie Europa. But, yeah, I mean, people were, like, annoyed. <laughs> they had to respond to it. They had to, like... Right, they made a rule change. Institute like, their rule, basically. With their rules. Like, obviously, we talked about, the, like... They're not really going to hold the jury to them if they really want to do something else. I'm sure they'll issue them a stern, like, could you not? Or whatever, but, yeah, like, they probably, like, <laughs> like, they're not going to, like... Try to spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do want to cover it. Maybe it was if... a thing, like, when we've done our juries where it's, like, we didn't watch all the movies, so we just got to give one a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe, though. I, I do also... I wonder what the reaction would have been like if that was like Veronique winning that. I do wonder if there was like an Amer an anti American bias. An anti- yeah. It's like sure. third year in a row. Yeah, third year in a row American. They gave it everything. They're fucking riding Hollywood dick. We need to call <laughs> take them out to task. Yeah. What if it happened last year? Where it's like we got Caleb Landry Jones winning actor. Justin Kurtzel winning director and uh, Neitram winning the bomb. I feel like uh, that would have been crazy. Like, huh? People would have. Uh, Which, it would have. It should have been Stillwater. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Stillwater What's the Damon. Movie that's in competition that could have won all the awards. It, it might. It might just be Neitram. I guess. No. Oh, you mean this year, or did um, you mean last time? I mean, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty one. Let's take a look. Let's try to... Yeah, let's look at the competition real quick. <laughs> um, what would have been funny? Flag Day, I guess. Yeah, Flag Day, I guess. Uh, that's funny. It, yeah. It's almost hard to not say Flag Day. France would be funny. <laughs> France would have been good, yeah. Um, oh my god. Red Rocket, obviously. Red Rocket. Baker, Palm, and Rex. Right. Come on. Trying to yeah, trying to imagine a world where France is like widely seen by like art film yeah. fans, like that might have been a nightmare. I mean, yeah. But yeah, I mean it is it is just funny, like we talk about these sort of like other oh, anomalies as they have like their ties or like all the actors from Volver uh winning that for that one award. It's like these sort of weird things that can will do and like uh, this jury was just on one of their like Barton Fink is like I wonder who like Polanski or like if Whoopi was like we have to give Tortura a best actor yeah yeah I wonder it just it just again like I said I can see watching this movie from like that like European 1991 perspective and being like, yeah, this is like absolutely brilliant. It's like indelibly made. It's incredibly dense, intelligent, and a bunch of these actors are giving very committed, intelligent but also funny performances. Like there is, 
nothing that we feel like is unawards worthy here, but it is yeah thing to snub the rest of the competition, especially when it seems like they're. It would have been. I mean, they should have given more awards out. They should have given. It should have won actor. I mean, it, uh, screenplay. It should have won. Yeah. It should have won supporting actor. Yeah. Supporting, I mean, supporting actor, it's like truly just an award they invented that year to give Samuel L. Jackson. To Samuel Jackson. That yeah. is not a thing they normally give out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is. Um, it's also like maybe that thing of we've talked about it with our sort of canned blockbusters where it's like maybe this being like a very entertaining movie was like a nice bit of respite. But I mean, like we talked, I mean. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's certain, like, you know, I guess it doesn't really, like, pe- these people weren't, like, movie stars at this point, at, I guess. Like, no, I it's guess like, yeah, that's, a, that's the interesting. It's like, they're not famous. Like, Spike Lee is the, yeah, Spike I mean, Lee's a much, fourth movie? Yeah, Spike Lee's a mu- much bigger name. Right. I do, but Goodman's, like, on a sitcom. Yeah, I guess I do also wonder, like, Miller's making Kaye. Which presumably meant it may be played in France earlier that year. Maybe they were just like, no, these are the hotness. These are like the new big things, and we're like, they were like primed to award it by Miller's Crossing making an impact with them earlier that year. It's interesting to think about. There's some great, um, great looks from the Coens and Turturro at Cannes on the Cannes red carpet. Um, They all have. A little thin glasses on. Um, Totoro's got a mustache and like a, a, a like a very close crop haircut. I always forget which Cohen is which. I think it's Joel has like very long hair. Sure. Um, yeah, Joel. Joel's yeah. the taller one. Yeah, 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 and he, yeah, but um, and they're all they're just there. I was looking. I was I was wondering if Goodman was there, but it doesn't look like it. Um. No, I feel like, especially at that time, it was it was less of a thing of just like we're going to bring. Right. Whole I mean, especially like we're gonna bring our he's not going to win. Like, yeah. like they they didn't expect any like supporting actor awards to be given out. Like, you know, all that sort of thing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I feel like with that. Yeah. Shall we move on to our uh, our our last segment here? Yeah. I mean, uh, are there any final thoughts about? Barton Fink, I think it's good. I think it's got great moments and others that aren't great. But, I mean, like most Coens, I don't really have a hard time watching it. It's, like, very lyrically. Like, yeah. their, 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 their speech is, like, their dialogue is very fluid. We didn't really talk about Shalhoub. He's very funny yeah. as, like, the fast talker, like, very high-strung. Shalhoub and them, they just work great together. Yeah. I guess yeah, I, what yeah, I would yeah. say is, like, even though I'm, I am feel similarly to you overall, I don't know if this movie has any moments that I would say aren't good. It, I guess that is, like, the weird thing. Like, I, I can't point to anything that I think is sure. bad about it. It just sort of moves yeah. weirdly. Yeah, it is, like, a sort of... I this is maybe not even correct, but it feels, like, a bit, like, start and stop, where it's just, like... And we're in this thing, and then it just yeah. like ends. And, then and it is, like, thing. it's a weird length. It's, like, two hours and six minutes. Yeah, it yeah. is a movie is like where, yeah, like where before you watch it, you sort of, like, this is, like, nine, this is, like, a hundred minutes, right? Truly, I was, like, it's 90 minutes long. 
It'll be a breeze. I'm like, oh, it's like fully two hours. Yeah, because if I admit, hey, this was just like, again, this is like a chamber drama. This is like the, the episode, this is like the essay episode of SpongeBob, but like a movie. <laughs> I mean, truly, <laughs> I thought about that so much when I was watching. I was like, SpongeBob did it better. <laughs> Andy, come on. Him you gotta... writing furiously. And it's I, don't, the, I don't think I've seen that episode. You haven't seen it? It's so it's good. It's a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> he... the, uh, writing super quickly and then it just revealing like the very ornate T that he wrote for the word the. <laughs> yeah. Sure. He had, yeah. has to write an essay for boating school. He slowly loses <laughs> yeah, his mind. His license. You don't need to recount the entire episode to me right now. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. We'll stop <laughs> down. We'll watch it real quick. <laughs> but Andy. Shouts to Steve Hillenberg. Yeah. Is that the guy who... The late great? The late great. R.A.P. Yeah. And the final thought. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie I love. I, I Yeah, I I do, like... I especially love the beginning and the theaterness of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, that, just that era and all that sort of thing. And then, yeah, I mean, I love a Hollywood satire. Like, like I said, I also, like... Uh, Hail Caesar is, like, my third favorite. It's, like, this Fargo, Hail Caesar are, like, my top three, I think. Um, and Interesting. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but like I said, I'm also missing like four or five. So yeah, well, um, maybe you'll love Miller's. Maybe. Um, and yeah, and like I look for. I'm so glad. Like I bought the Blu-ray for this, and I'm glad I did. And I look forward to rewatching it again. Uh, you know, in in less than in less time this time, less than yeah, know, f- fifteen. Years. I wonder what new like what's happening right now, like. By this time, like, you're watching on the advent of Netflix streaming, and now yeah. we're here where everything, like, uh, every movie nominated for an Oscar, the best picture winner was, like, a streaming service movie. Right, yeah. What'll, what'll happen in the, by the next time you watch? God, who knows? Can will be in Fortnite, maybe. Exclusively. Yeah. yeah. Everyone will be in the metaverse watching Titan 2. Hmm. Right. Um, you get yeah. you get you get to fuck the car. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> everyone. The car fucked you. I'm not gonna say what I just thought. In Soviet Fortnite, Great. the car fucked you. Yeah, in sure. Soviet Fortnite. Special um, presentations. Here we're here. We're here at the special presentations, and we're all picking Barton Fink. No, no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, Andy, do you have anything that you'd like to talk about? Special presentation? Sure, I can talk about... I mean, so... This episode is the first episode we've recorded since the Oscars. Sure. Uh, so those happened. Uh, ob- messy Oscars. Uh, don't need to get into it. Uh, that day... that the Earlier that day, to take my mind off the excitement of what was going to happen... <laughs> Um, which ended up being pretty much exactly what we expected to happen, except for non-awards things. Um, uh, I went and saw the filmed production of Anything Goes, uh, the classic Cole Porter musical uh, starring Sutton Foster reprising her Tony-winning role from about 10 years ago. She, it was like, it was my late college years was when she did it originally. I saw that production twice. Uh, it's a, one of my most cherished memories. I love Sutton Foster. She's my favorite living performer. Um, uh, they filmed it. She re- she reprised the role in London over the summer. They filmed it. It's an, otherwise an entirely different cast, but it is essentially the same production. I think they made a few more edits to the book because even uh, 10 years ago, it was uh, more racially insensitive than it needed to be. Um, yeah, and they fixed say, some Will of King that. Cold Porter. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, the, the, would you believe the book was full of Orientalism? Um, uh, so yeah, but like, it's a really wonderful film version of the show. I think it does a really good job of capturing these numbers. I like most of the cast members. There's one cast member who I was like, oh, I don't know if this is quite what it should be, but that, but that was it, it, everything. Else, like it's just delightful Cole Porter number after delightful Cole Porter numbers. Like this thing has the lovely, it has, you're the top. It has anything goes blow Gabriel blow, like all banger numbers, like one after another. It's really, really crazy how many good numbers are in this thing. Uh, the, the, t- the choreography and the movement is just wonderful. It's pretty well captured. I think uh, it will be airing on PBS later this year. So you don't need to, like, pay to go see it. I don't think it's airing in movie theaters again. It was, like, a special event thing. Um, But uh, keep an eye out for it on PBS and seek it out when it does air there because I think it's really worth seeing. Uh, And uh, it's a very special performance that I'm glad has been captured. Uh, So check it out. Anything goes. The Cole Porter High Seas Romp. Okay, so I'm going to plug... David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone... Uh, David Cronenberg, Stephen King adaptation, Christopher Walken, giving one of the greatest performances of all time, I am ho. Just a very cool, good, sad performance. A very, like, weird, sad, episodic movie. Um, I'm sort of in my Stephen King era, and then I'm watching Stephen King movies. I, uh, I just want to watch spooky stuff, and that was a good one. It's a good, great movie to watch. At 4 a.m. when you can't fall asleep, IMO. That's all. Colin? Um, I was going to talk about a movie that I watched that was very good. But I think instead I'm just going to keep it short. And this is an idea that I had today. And I just want to get it out. I want to, like, secret this into the world (laughs) and just talk about it a lot so it happens. I think bubble tea should be offered at movie theaters. That's, like, a perfect movie theater snack, I think. (laughs) And I would, like, have a great time if I'm seeing ambulance, huge screen, taking down popping boba and a strawberry or a watermelon milk tea or something. And I'll say specifically taro milk tea. I had for the first time recently. My go-to is usually watermelon milk tea or like a plain black milk tea. And the taro milk tea is very good. And I also, I usually go with popping boba because I like a little juicy. I like a little sweet. And this time I went with just the plain tapioca pearls boba. And it was very good. It was like chewy and the taro has a sort of coconutty like flavor. It was all very subtle and like a light sweetness and very pleasing to drink. And uh, I think that would be great to have as I'm watching Minions Rise of Gru or whatever. One of big movies that are coming out this year. Sure. Top Gun Maverick taking down a popping boba. That is true. Truly, so, if we trained an AI to speak like Cullen, I believe the last right. like two minutes it would it would, come it, up it, with is what it would say. Um, <laughs> sure. I have, uh, yeah, right. Who yeah, wants to hear who wants to hear Cullen talk about beverages? Come on. Nobody um, is ever uh, going to want to listen to that. It's good. <laughs> I'm cutting this. <laughs> um, I do have a question, Cullen, which I have never had bubble tea. Uh, is it not, like, is there not an important visual component of seeing, like, how many of the pearls are there 
and like no. whether you're you're about to have one in your mouth and like so you don't like swallow it and choke on it or whatever. Well, listen, there's the famous TikTok where a guy's drinking boba for the first time. He's calling it Baba. He drinks it and spits it out all over his car because he didn't know that there would be stuff in it because he just had a plain milk tea before. Sure. This is just when you're having boba, it is a pretty constant stream of like the the tapioca pearls coming up. Uh-huh. So you'll just be aware of it as you're drinking. And if you are doing it right, you can sort of drink. The, it's a very advanced technique. You're sort of drinking through the straw and using your teeth as a sieve. So you're not. And then you'll just sort of like quarter off the boba, push it around the back of your mouth, chew on the boba. Or if you're having popping boba, Andy, this is maybe. I know you have very specific taste and opinions on food and drink. But popping boba, they're much smaller. They literally pop, and it's just like a little juice-filled membrane of something. <laughs> it's sure. just like what makes little, them pop? Uh, just like a little pressure? Or? Just like a little pressure, yeah. Like you yeah. can like pop it like against the roof of your mouth with your tongue. It's like sure, very easy. Like you can probably even like melt it just by like sucking on it or whatever. It is just like a very small. It looks like sort of yeah. big roe or like big caviar. Sure, um, but if you're drink, yeah, that is like. If you're not an advanced boba drinker and you're having your movie theater boba bubble tea, I would recommend popping boba. Sure. Yeah, it does seem like I don't want to be devoting that much thought to my snack. You don't have to. I mean, this is just the thing. This is, I get it, you know, it's scary if you never had it before. Right. But once you have it, you'll recognize that it's not that big of a deal. It's easy just to drink. You don't really need to think about it. It's like, do you think about when you're eating popcorn or do you think about when you're drinking your icy or like oh, am I going to get raisinets in this bite of popcorn or not? You know, whatever it is that you're eating. It's like, do I have cheese from my pretzel bites on my khakis? Got uh, any more examples? Keep but, throwing them out. No, that's a, those are my movie theater snacks. Uh, the, uh, mix and match. It's like, did I get Diet Pepsi all over my eyes this or something? Yeah. All over my over. eyes. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, that was our special presentations. Uh, this is the end of the show. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Can I Kick It on Twitter. We're at C I K I Pod on Letterbox and Instagram. We'll post there again soon, I promise. Um, Which one? Both. Both. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to email us uh, your questions or comments, we're at Can I Kick It Pod at Gmail dot com. And if you want to donate any money to us, we're at K O dash fi.com slash can i uh i'm Clatchley on twitter and letterbox andy's andy t germ on twitter and letterbox and anything emilio's i'm laugh alone on twitter and i laugh alone on letterbox our theme song is by tree related who's on soundcloud at tree related or soundcloud.com slash tree related or you can search tree related on spotify that's the end of the show And with that, we'll release our audience. I'll show you the life of the mind. Bye.